Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Seth called me this morning on the drive when we were driving in and asked if I would read um, because he's going to preach on this today. But it's from Hebrews 11 and it's verses 32 through 40. I think my dear husband has this on the screen. Okay. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. So it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Would you bow your hair? Your, will you bow your hair and your head? Your hands, hold your hands, all the things. Tim doesn't have any hair. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> I first, um, I took a picture of the chorus of this song. I'm going to just open and pray that back to, to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I praise you. I thank you for bringing me joy, bringing me peace, bringing me the chance to be free, Lord. Lord, help me to accept anything that you bring to me that brings you glory. I know that there's going to be days when this life that you've given me, that you've blessed me with, when it brings me pain. But Lord Jesus, if that's what it takes to praise you, oh, oh Jesus, bring the rain. We love you, God. In your name, amen. Hey, thanks, Amy. Hey, if you, uh, if you are still in here and you're three years old to third grade, you can head on out of here. Um, I was thinking about these people this week in this scripture. And I was thinking about what if our mistakes would be the things that mark our lives. And I was thinking about something that I ask a lot of kids in kind of um, opening questions. Sometimes I ask adults this, but I, I ask the question, what's the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? And uh, 
And I started thinking about the most embarrassing things that have happened to me. And, and I, think of, I, I think of three in my life. That, uh, there's more than three. But I, I think of three that I would hope that um, one would mark the rest of my life. And the other two are just things that like, um, people could forget. And so um, I'm going to share those with you. The first is this, is that um, I remember a moment in my life where I was so elated that um, I just looked like an idiot, right? And so it happened to be when I was in seventh grade, and we uh, were the Elysian Eagles, is what our names were. And we were versing the Canyon Creek something or others. I can't even remember who they were, but they were blue and white. So as you can, yeah, I mean, you know somebody else who's blue and white. But anyway, we were killing them. We were crushing the uh, Canyon Creek, and, and it was because of me, because I was raining three-pointers like none other as a seventh grader, right? And I'm pretty sure that they were layups, but I remember in my mind, but I can remember like making this shot, right? So I made this shot, and, and it happened like three times in a row, and I remember that feeling of making something, and then as I was going back for defense, you know how like an NBA, you got those guys that just shoot, and then they walk back, right, because they think they've made it? Well, I remember watching it the whole entire time, and every time I made a three-pointer, I did, I'm not joking, I did this dance, yeah, yeah, and I was just going backwards, yeah, yeah, here we go, right, and then... I just remember at the end of my game, my dad was just like, you look like an idiot. Okay, my dad didn't say that. He said, you should probably be a little bit more humble in your life. Those are one of those moments where it's just embarrassing, right? I was a seventh grader, and I'm pretty sure it didn't look as cool as I just did it because I was, like, gangly and awkward. Okay, I was short and fat. All right, so, but uh, the next moment I remember is another basketball moment. We... I was in a tournament and uh, seventh grader. And once again, actually I was in eighth grade at this time and I was, we were at the Lutheran school and we were just getting our butts kicked, right? And, uh, and I'm, we're versing, I don't know which team we're versing, but all of a sudden I get the ball and I'm going for a fast break. And I'm sure that I am running at breakneck speed, like three miles an hour running down this court. And I am dribbling the ball and I'm like, I've got this. I've got this. And it's just going to be this nice, easy layup, right? You just like, just let it go in and everything like that. And, and I think that at this point, I was so excited because we were so down by so much that I was just like, let's get something good from this. And so all of a sudden, I just went up and I threw the ball at the hoop and it totally did not go in. Absolutely did not go in. And I turned around and I watched the other team get a fast break and just lay it in beautifully and everything like that. And as an eighth grader, I'm thinking to myself, this is horrible. And you know one of those moments where like the gym is really loud and everybody is talking and then all of a sudden, what I'm about to say right before I say it, the whole entire gym gets quiet, right? And I turn around and I slap the mat as hard as I possibly can, right? And I'm like, GD, right? I mean, I just swear, like, God dang it, right? But not that. And all of a sudden, I, I, I swear I could hear this lady go, that's not right, right? <laughs> like, you could hear that. 
And so the principal of this Lutheran school brought me in and he just said, hey, we, we, we want to glorify God in our tournament. And when you go and do something like that, it means that you are defaming God and that you are making it sound like you don't care about him. And that whole entire time, I'm telling him, well, I'm a Christian, and I, yeah, I understand. And he goes, okay, well, if you're a Christian and you understand that, then why did you do it? And so then, as if not to pour enough uh, salt in my wound, he's like, hey, um, I'm like, I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go back in that gym right now, and I want you to apologize. And at that moment... I did not want to do it, of course. And I did, right? I went in and I just say, hey, I'm, I'm sure I was the most elegant preacher there was on that day, but I'm sure I said something like, I'm really sorry, please forgive me, right? And then walked out. But after looking at these guys and after looking at the heroes of the faith, I'm not saying that I'm some big hero or anything like that, but I'm saying that I'm super glad that those moments in our lives don't exclude or cancel us out from having faith that leaves us forward. Because in, in this moment, what if somebody took that little stupid moment in my life or those other two moments in my life and said, well, I'm counting him out. He absolutely swore in front of everybody he doesn't believe in Jesus. Or we take these moments where maybe it's something bigger in our lives that we are so embarrassed by that mark us and say, you can't be used by God anymore. And I think that as we moved from last week, or th sorry, not last week, but the week before talking about Rahab and, and her understanding of, man, it, it's not about how people look at you and what you do that defines you. It's who's and who you are. And as we move into this process of these next few verses, I find it incredibly interesting that God uses every single one of them. And I'm super glad that their sins aren't what is mentioned in all of these. And so I've titled this sermon, Faith That Triumphs in Every Outcome, because here's the deal. There are some outcomes that we sit there and we go, that's not exactly what we wanted to have come out of this. But what if our goal at every single moment in our life was to glorify God and our faith? I don't, I don't know if I want a faith that just says, hey, God, I can do this and this and this, and, and I'm good with that faith. Or if I want a faith that just says, hey, God, would you just use me no matter what? And my faith is stretched all that more. And so when I look at all of these, that was thunder, and that's amazing. I really like that, by the way. Um, I'm not going to tell that story. Okay, great. Moving on. Uh, if you're taking notes with me, I, I just want to dive right on into this. The very first note I want to say is these people in here, they are commended for their faith, not their flaws. They're commended for their faith, not their flaws. 
I mean, if you really want to look at this, hey, Gideon questioned God two times. In fact, actually, he didn't question him. He tested him two times. Now, God, if you want to do this, and then his faith moved him to know that God was with him so much that God pared down his army from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300 people. And without going into any war, but just using trumpets and pitchers and torches, they took down a whole entire nation. Talk about a guy who, wait a second, you obviously don't get it, but sure, go ahead and test God. I don't know if I want to do that, by the way. Samson, we'll, we'll skip um, Barak a little bit. Uh, well, just to let you quickly, 10,000 men against 900 chariots and many more people. Out of two tribes of Israel, they, they win their battle. Samson, guy with tremendous strength and incredibly sexually promiscuous. And he did more after God brought him to a point of wrecking him in the last few minutes of his life than he did for the previous other minutes of his life, other years of his life. Just by simply realizing, wait a second, I was wrong. And so he prayed that God would, that he would receive his strength back from God. And in that day, killed more Philistines than he had done previously. You see Jephthah, who uh, in Judges, he was brought back from um, being an outsider and brought back to be a judge. And (laughs) he did amazing things for Israel to bring them back into uh, being a unit, uh, a, a nation again, and helping them see where they should go. But because of his arrogance, he vowed that anybody who would come through the door Next, he would kill, and it was his own daughter. And his pride said, I have to do it. David, we look at his life, and we see his life as marred by committing adultery. And then after he commits adultery, he decides to kill the husband of the woman he committed adultery with. But yet previously to that, we heard an amazing story about he went up against Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 and he said, my God is bigger than you'll ever be and we're going to take you out. And then it was also marked in his life that he was a man after God's own heart. He was brought to a point of realizing that he needed to turn around. And Samuel What a great prophet Samuel was. What a great priest. He was faithful. He proclaimed God's message fearfully, but he was a horrible father. And then we see all the other prophets. And some of them had their own problems too. And I'm not saying these things to say, hey, you should hold on to your flaws and that's okay. But what I'm saying is, is are you honest about how you're living your life? Are you allowing your flaws just to say, oh, well, God forgives me, so I'm good, I'm great. Or are you saying, no, 
God has something different for me. And I want to follow what God has. Because when we read these people, and we see that through faith they conquered kingdoms and they enforced justice, and they obtained God's promises, they did it in the midst of their sin, but I think they were also very fully aware of their downfalls. So they were, they were commended for their faith. Then we see another group of people that he never actually really talks about in this, and it's in verses 1133b through 35a, and this is kind of what it says. It says, man, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. In that story, you see, man, you see Daniel, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see David once again, Samson still going on. But they may have come up short, but through faith, they accomplished God's plan by trusting him. Can you imagine what it would be like to quench fire? By saying before you got thrown into the fire, hey, I just want to let you know that we'll never bow down to your idol because our God is bigger than that. Daniel, who's thrown into a lion's den, was able through prayer and God's faithfulness God shut the mouth of the lions. Man, through prayer. But then there's a whole other group of people that don't make it through, but they still have faith. They were counted righteous by their faith, but despised by the world for their devotion to God. We see it in verses 11, 35, and 38. Some were tortured, refusing to, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. I don't want you to miss this right here. Of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. Man, the Bible is incredibly full of all of these. But it wasn't about their own getting what they want. It wasn't about making sure that they switched threes all day long. It's about understanding the goodness of God and where he was leading them and guiding and directing them. I remember in college, I, I was, uh, 
took a bunch of classes in sociology. And one day I, I was just shocked by, by this comment because I'd never had this done before in my life. But um, I went in and uh, it was absolutely pouring rain. And I got out of my car and I had to run to class, but I was sopping wet by, by the time I got to the seventh floor of the building and into my class. And it was an afternoon class. And I sat down and I, and I started opening my stuff and getting ready. And the way that our class was set up, we the teacher would always sit in the middle and the two sides of the classrooms would face each other. And, and the lady directly across from me looks at me. And I, and I look at her and I say, what? And she just looks at me just with this scowl on her face and she says, why are you always so dang happy? You always got a smile on your face. It's ridiculous. It's raining outside. It's horrible. And you're always smiling. Every time I come to this class, you're always smiling. This class is only Tuesdays and Thursdays, so, I mean, you got five days without me. And she said, what is it about you? And I said, well, I tend to believe that every day is a really good day. I'm, I'm a Christian. She goes, don't give me that Christian crap. I don't want to hear it. What I would have loved to her to say, because I was ready for it, is, oh, tell me more about Jesus, please. I'd love to hear how you're so happy and joyous all the time. <laughs> Let me tell you about the Romans road. I, I don't know. And at that very moment, I was shut down. I'm not the amazing prophets in this scripture. I'm, <laughs> that story is incredibly small, but something that I want to realize is Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles. It's not easy. It's not, doesn't always go well for you. They were counted righteous by their faith, but despised by the world for their devotion to God. All of us would love to be everybody in the previous verses in front of this. The heroes of the faith, right? All of us would love to be that guy that says, hey, man, you can take down armies or you're promised that you'll have children as big as, the, as many as the stars and through you will come salvation. Through your line will come salvation. Or some of us want to ride on a golden or a fiery chariot and never die. Some of us want to be 695 years old. I, I don't know what it is, but yet something draws me to the point of these people who are flogged, who are cut in half, who are murdered for their faith. Because I think the rest of it is easy. Oh, sure, God, we can just, we can trust in you, but what about the hardest times? What about the scariest times in our lives? Do we have devotion to God or do we have devotion to self? And here's where I think all of them come together in the very last verses of 39 through 40. Because, well, I'll just read it. And all these, through, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They ended their lives looking towards the promise that is still looked forward to today. 
find it unbelievable that in this life we want to make it about us. And yet, all of these heroes, and aren't you glad we're finally done with chapter 11? But all of these heroes never saw the real true promise. It was commended to them through faith, but they didn't receive what was promised. Abraham didn't see his children. In fact, actually, he only saw, yes, that is so cool. I'm going to stop preaching. They didn't receive the promise because it wasn't about them. It was about God's story. I want you to watch this video. The Bible is an amazing book. Within its pages, we find stories about the creation of the world, the rise and fall of nations, incredible miracles, and God's relentless pursuit of his rebellious people. But the Bible isn't just a collection of unrelated stories. It's one big story where everything points to Jesus, his life, Death and resurrection form the heart of the story, God's desire and plan to redeem His people. God's plan is evident right from the very beginning. If we look carefully, we can find signs that point to Jesus on every page. God used the ark to rescue Noah and his family, pointing to the day when Jesus would become our rescuer. God promised to bless the world through Abraham's descendants, a promise that was realized in Jesus. When Abraham was asked to sacrifice his only son, Isaac was ultimately spared, but God willingly offered his only son for us. Moses raised a bronze serpent on a pole so the Israelites could be saved a foreshadowing of Jesus being lifted up on the cross for our salvation. The sacrifices made in the temple year after year pointed to Jesus, who became the one-time sacrifice for our sins. Even after Jesus' ascension into heaven, he remains the focus of the story. Jesus' followers carried his message to the ends of the earth, just as we do today, waiting for the day when he returns and provides the conclusion to God's awesome narrative. Yes, the Bible is full of amazing stories, but really, it's all about Jesus. That's the story. That's his story. That's the gospel project for kids. See, that's the thing. The faith isn't so that we can move mountains or conquer nations, but it is the faith that allows us to see what God was providing for us better than we could provide for ourselves. And the whole entire book of Hebrews to this point has been pointing over and over back to Jesus. 
how he is the high priest, how he is a better sacrifice than we could ever ask for, how everybody in previously to Jesus was living their lives towards Jesus. And then he says, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. See, we are a part of that story as well. I don't know if a book will ever be written by any of us in this room, but that doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we know the end of the story. That Jesus comes back and that Jesus says to his followers, well done. Thank you for listening to me and thank you for taking on the things that I've asked you to take on. Thank you for being led by my Holy Spirit. And like I said in my prayer earlier, it's not a punch ticket. It's not a stamp of, yep, we're going to be written so that we can get free entrance into the kingdom of God. But it's that we are invited into the story of God that says this world, the way we're at right now, doesn't have to be this way. That Jesus comes and he says, I want to give you life and give it to you abundantly. And that would you put your trust and your faith and hope in me? Which is exactly what Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It is for the conviction of the things that aren't seen. We haven't seen Jesus return yet. We know that we are led by the Holy Spirit. And we are a part of that story to be able to say, God, would you give me the faith I need as I'm walking with you in the shadowy paths or in the good times that I can be certain of the things I hope for. And so we have a future-looking faith as we end this chapter, that our faith leads us into the future to go, hey, what are we about? And I don't know what that is for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I, I don't know where God is talking to you, and I, and I never want to give absolutes when I come up here. I never want to go, well, this is what God is calling you to do or that, but, but what I do ask is that you do spend the time with God. This last song that we are singing is called Oceans. Before Brian comes up to, uh, to close the service, but I, I, it begs the question this song does of where God is leading you. The first thing is, is do you, do you have faith in him? Or do you just go, I, I don't need that. I'm good all by myself. And if, if you think that, that's okay. But I'd ask, well, no, it's not okay. <laughs> we preach Jesus all the time here. That's the only thing that continues to drive us forward. In the times when we don't think that we can go anymore, we need his presence to say, Here's how you should look at things. He is the perspective change on life. I wonder if we would give him a chance to do that. There are some of you who have been Christians for a really long time who still need perspective change. 
Maury Graham, my friend sitting back there on the counter, 93 years old, he can still jump on the counter back there. Every single week, he tells me I'm, I'm learning something new. He's been a Christian for longer than I've been alive. From my little daughter who is super excited to give her first offering ever in her life because she won money from the fair and says, I need to give this to God. And I try to cheapen it by saying, just put all of your money with everybody else's. And she goes, no, but God has given me this money. Can't I just put it in my own envelope? Because I want to give to God. Maury has definitely been a Christian longer than she's been alive. But at what point do we come and we say, God, I, I don't know where this faith that you're asking me is leading, but God, I do want to put myself in that spot where I, I, I don't care the outcome. I don't care if I lose my life or if I get to, man, shout from the highest mountaintops how great you are. But in every aspect of my life, I want to say the goodness of God. I've seen people move here in the last year that have just said, I, I don't understand why God has led me to Glasgow, but I'm willing to do whatever he's asking me. I know people who have left Glasgow and they've said, I can't, I can't wait to see what God wants me to do outside of here. And the whole point is spending time with God in that moment, which is future forward looking and always helping people point back to Jesus. Just like all of the other people in the scripture before this, the promise of Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And Jesus says, I want you to all be a part of that. hope that you're willing to spend that time in those moments this morning as we sing this song you don't have to sing but just hey God what are you trying to do in my life I don't get it I don't understand but would you at least give him that opportunity to speak into your heart today it feels really good to be back amongst my church family. I just want to say thank you so much for um, just a warm welcome and, and all your, your prayers while, while I was gone. And for those of you that don't know, I went to um, the Ivory Coast, uh, which is on the western side of Africa, western Africa, and also Liberia. And um, it's, it's hard to get up here and close today um, in light of what I saw while I was there and some of the the, the circumstances and to not be very sensitive while I'm up here as I watch kids run around with their only pair of pants and looking for food and we try to talk about how hard faith is here and so if I'm a little insensitive today I, I apologize but what I what I want to share um, is as we look at these these heroes in verses 32 through 40 as, as Seth said what the difference between them and us is is they didn't focus on their failure they were stuck in it for a moment. And as the song says, we'll keep our eyes above the waves. What we do oftentimes is we keep our eyes 
on the waves. The waves define us. The mess in our life defines us. The hardships define us. Who we are is defined by the troubles we go through and the pain that we're in. The people that have hurt us, the relationships that are hard. Imagine if today when you left here, your biggest concern was where you're going to get food. Not the millions of choices we have here in the middle of nowhere, but, but literally, how am I going to feed my children? They had this mixture, and I, I know it's in other third world countries as well. They had this mixture of flour and water and, and yams that they would put together and they'd make into a ball. They'd boil it and then they'd dry it and then they'd boil it again. And it was this ball and it was like the size of a little bit bigger than a golf ball. And the reason that they made this food is because yams would grow like crazy there. They were stupid cheap. And when they, when they put it all together, it was meant to just swallow without chewing. You just swallow this huge thing. And they had three and four-year-olds that were swallowing this ball a little bit bigger than a golf ball because they wanted to keep their stomach active. When their stomach wasn't digesting anything, it would start to digest itself. And so they put food in there that was gonna last for a couple days when they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. It may be hard at work right now. It may be difficult in your family. You may be struggling figuring out how to pay your cell phone bill. And I'm not trying to belittle any of that. Don't let it define you. Don't let it define you. Let our faith define us as a church family. If you're new this week, if, if this is your first time walking into church, this is the problem we have as Christians is getting past Sunday and not being a hypocrite. Not looking like the rest of the world, Monday through Saturday. Lord, I pray that we get strength. And what I wanna read now is, is um, from Acts chapter four, verse 31. This is as they're building the first church after Jesus died on the cross and they are performing miracles and they're speaking boldly amongst people that don't wanna hear about it. Verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So as we have thunder and rain going on around us today and our building is shaking, let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us preach boldly because of our faith. Join me. Lord, thank you so much for the little footsteps all over our building. Lord, thank you for everyone that, that is here. Lord, thank you for dragging us here, for bringing us here, for whatever reason that we're here, Lord, thank you so much. Our prayer today is, Lord, that not that we look to others and how much they need church, but Lord, how much we need you to be filled today with the Holy Spirit so we may speak of you boldly. Lord, let our lives not be defined by our mistakes and our failures, but Lord, let our lives be defined by you. May people see this short period that we have here in our lives and may they be reminded of you. May they be pointed to you and not of our failures, not of our shortcomings, but Lord, of your strength and our weakness. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. And we humbly ask all of these things in the name of your son and we leave him at the most level playing field there is, the foot of the cross. And all God's people said, amen. 
Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.